later I realized, oh, they were telling me to shut up because I'm talking too much. And that's a paradox because no one who doesn't like talking makes a podcast. Welcome to Mosaic of China, a podcast about people who are making their mark in China. I'm your host, Oscar Fuchs. So for this special end of season wrap up, I asked my friend and fellow podcaster Josh Ogden Davis to join me for a chat. I hope you enjoy our discussion about some of the things that go into creating the podcast. We talk about stuff like interview techniques, the editing process, and some of the show's influences. But the main reason for recording this episode was to announce what's coming next. So please listen in until that part at the end. Thank you, Josh. I'm in your glorious apartment. This is where the magic happens with your podcasts. You, you do how many podcasts? So I do one podcast that's in English, and that's Mandarin Slang Guide. And that's an interview-based podcast like yours. Um, whereas you're focusing on bringing out people's stories, I'm focusing on um, getting some words that people who are learning Chinese will not get from their Chinese class. Um, so slang words mostly, or words that are only used in certain industries, or words that are very fascinating for the current cultural moment. Um, aside from that, I have oh, maybe three or four podcasts that are in Mandarin. Um, and the philosophy for these podcasts are just completely different, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm very curious about your philosophy behind Mosaic of uh, China, because you've talked about it a little bit before, like your reasons for starting it. But I'm curious, like, what is the philosophical underpinnings of this? What's the nut? Oh, wow. That's <laughs> a hard question to jump straight into. Tell, tell me the <laughs> deepest thing right off. Um, it's really about trying to get some information through the stories of human beings. It's as simple mm. as that. Mm -hmm. And it's not many people who would actually gravitate towards this podcast. Mm. You know, if, if yeah. you're outside of China, maybe you could learn something about China, but you're not going to seek it out. People are just a bit scared of China and, mm. you know, they would rather it didn't exist than mm. try and seek out stories to help explain it. Yeah. Can, can it just go away? It's yeah. going to stop being an issue. Yeah. Which is what I'm trying to bridge, you know. But then you flip to people who are in China. Those guys, they're also hard for me to reach with this podcast because a lot of those guys, they're the kind of people who often think that they know everything already. So right. already my audience is basically on either side of that spectrum, just people who are naturally curious, who want to hear from different angles and who have the ability just to say, okay, well, maybe I can learn something new from people who are living different lives. Um, you've done 30 episodes of yes. Mosaic of China. Um, that's a lot of episodes. <laughs> that, that is a lot of stuff. What have you learned over the process of producing so much content in season one? Right. More often than anything, it's just about the different personalities, um, mm. how different people live their lives in different ways. And most chats, even though they're so different, mm -hmm. I end up leaving the conversation thinking, oh, they're just like me. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Yeah, that was something which I think I came into this already knowing. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess the experience of going through it, mm -hmm. it has galvanized that thought. Yeah. And that ties back to what you said earlier about how sharing stories is a great way to bridge this gap between uh, people in the West and people in the East who think very differently and are increasingly viewing each other with suspicion. I'm curious about what do you wish you had known before you started? Hmm... I would say the process of learning as I went along was something I would not change. Yes, absolutely. 
I mean, of course, I also learned a lot before I started. I mean, mm-hmm. meeting people like you mm-hmm. was really helpful. Yeah, we met at Podfest. That's right. Uh, two years ago? One yeah. One year ago? Something yeah. like that? But then you only really realize how you're going to do it once you get started. I mean, yeah. it's... Yeah. It's like anything. It's like any new job. It, it reminds me of when I started off as a headhunter. Mm-hmm. And day one, you had to give people career advice. Yeah. Yep. You know, and then you do it over and over again until it finally clicks. And then you sort of become it. Right. Now that I've sort of can look back at the last 30 episodes, I think that has really been the process that I would not change. Um, yeah. And actually, it sort of bleeds into my worries for season two, actually. because. Really? With season one, so all the people who were guests, they were doing it in a very experimental mindset. You know, Mm. they had, for the most part, never heard any episodes yet. Right, yeah. Because I recorded a lot before I even released the first episode. Yeah. They didn't know how it was going to sound. They didn't know how other people would answer the questions and how theirs would compare. Right, yeah. So what I am worried about with season two is Mm. that people are going to be more knowing about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that... um people who listen to the podcasts don't really know. So creating something from nothing. Mm. What is this podcast? There's a journey that happens as a podcaster that we almost kind of have to hide from our listeners because it's not really about us, is it? It's about right. the topic that we're doing. Right. Yeah. It's all very sort of self-reverential, you know, yeah. talking about, oh, the process of the podcast. But yeah, I mean, right. that's that's the only thing that I would say to answer that question. I, I, I think otherwise it has more or less landed mm. where I I thought it would be. Um, let's jump into a little bit of the nitty gritty. I want to talk a little bit about your interview techniques, because that's mm. something that you do a lot more of than I do. How do you a- approach an interview? What's your preparation like for interviewing someone? Well, I think researching the person is pretty important. So in my mind, I've prepared a few questions where I think I know where the conversation will go. But I don't know if that's technique. It's just being a good conversationalist, I suppose. Yeah. In terms of technique... I guess shutting up is my key <laughs> oh my technique, just just shutting up. Because mm-hmm. when I talk normally, and I think this is a normal conversation, I'm mm-hmm. always interrupting. Mm-hmm. It's just a terrible habit of mine. I, I'm listening, but I'm talking a lot. Yeah. And the technique I use in interviews is just every second saying, Oscar, shut up, Oscar, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> like people yeah. who know me would be quite surprised mm-hmm. at how little they hear me. Yeah, we have that in common. I remember after my first episode of MSG... I sent it to a lot of friends and I asked for people's opinions. And uh, one person very generously said, I would love to hear more from this guest. They phrased it in a way that I understood it to mean that this listener really liked this guest. Uh, And later I realized, oh, they were telling me to shut up because I'm talking too much. (laughs) And that's a paradox because no one who doesn't like talking makes a podcast. Mm -hmm. But one of the most important things about having a podcast is knowing when not to talk. Yeah. And I figured you're going to hear my voice across those 30 episodes. Yeah. You know, anyone listening would have quite enough of my voice. Thank you very much. Yeah. What do you tell a guest before the interview? How do you prep your guest for the mm. interview? I try to talk on mic for quite a while before I mm. start. So yeah. it's not just turn the mic on, we're starting. Because right. if you do that, then suddenly you forget how to talk. Yeah. So I guess that's one technique. I think the other one is something which I learned as a headhunter which was to mirror their energy Mm. and not they are mirroring my energy so Mm -hmm. that when you hear the podcast, like there'll be quite different feelings in different episodes. Mm. Some will be quite slow and Mm. thoughtful and ponderous and some Mm. will be a little bit cheeky. Some Mm. will be serious. Some will be light. Mm -hmm. And generally speaking, that's because 
I'm adapting to what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, gives the variety. Yeah. So that is a good way of making people feel that they are in a space which is sort of for them. Mm-hmm. The thing that I put into practice most of all is, people call it deep listening, but mm. it's just a way that you're concentrating carefully on what people are saying. Mm. And that is helpful in a way that you can make connections with what they may have said earlier in the conversation. Mm. Where if you were listening a bit more casually, you probably wouldn't have the equipment to do that. And you're so good at that. My attention span is so short. But it doesn't come naturally to me either. Like at the end of an interview, I'm, I'm exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you this very stereotypical artist question. Tell me about your influences. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Wow. Um, actually, people would recognize some of the influences, I would say, in my podcast. Um, the piece about bringing in an object... Mm. That was heavily influenced by a British show called Desert Island Discs. And that is a show that's been running in the UK for, oh God, it must be 30, 40 years. Somebody Mm -hmm. will correct me on that. And each guest brings in six discs back in those days, which are basically music singles, Mm -hmm. which in some way tell a story of their life. Mm -hmm. And most Brits um, would have heard about that program. And -hmm. it just means that the guest is pre-prepared with something they want to justify their choice in a way, Mm -hmm. which I think is very useful. Um, So that was definitely a big influence. Um, I've listened to that for God knows how many years. Um, Another influence was Humans of New York. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, I'm sure you would have heard of it. It's the Facebook group where it doesn't matter who you are. You could be the banker, you could be the beggar on the street, but you've got your story. You can tell the obvious parallels to Mosaic of China. I mean, I wish I could interview the beggar on the street here, but mm-hmm. mine is an English language podcast. Can you share with us what are some of the most memorable moments for you? And I've listened to every episode of, of Mosaic of China. It's a weekly ritual for me. Um, and I know what I've really enjoyed. But from your point of view, what's going to really stick with you? It's really hard to choose because uh, somewhere way back in, I mean, it could have been a year ago. It could have been April <laughs> of 2019. Yeah. And the funny thing that I've been doing is I did the interview and then waited quite a long time before doing the edit. Mm. So I think most of the surprises, which probably isn't what you were trying to go for with your question, but most of the surprises (laughs) came in listening to the interview, where I was like, wow, I don't remember saying that. Um, I think in the interview itself, I mean, the one that springs to mind is the um, episode with Emily Madge, who was the aquarium Ah, yeah, the fish facts. The fish facts. Yeah. She came up with the most bizarre fish facts, and a lot of them were quite rude. (laughs) (laughs) I ended up cutting out quite a few. (laughs) Aw. And that that leads into my next question, which is, what have you cut out that you wish that you didn't have to cut out? I I always have that. Like, either we get onto politics or someone makes a dirty joke and I have to cut it out, but I feel so sad because I just love that moment, and I love that it was recorded, but I can't share it. Have you had that? Yeah, there's been a few of those. There's been a few. Uh, I think Roz, um, she was the immersive theatre producer. Mm. She had some quite dirty jokes, which I had to cut in the end. Actually, it wasn't because they were too dirty, but somehow they didn't get picked up on the mic very well. So it was a a quality thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there have been other things too. Um, Lexi, who was the cookie entrepreneur. Yeah. um, Her story about the employee who ended up cheating on her. 
Mm. That went down a very interesting story, which in the end I had to cut um, mm. just because it got a little bit too personal. Yeah. Um, but actually, you know, I want to always protect the guest. So course, I yeah. would always err on the side of making them look good and making them feel comfortable. I mean, I always share the recording with the guest before I release as well, actually. so That's great. Yeah, yeah. I, I try and do that a couple of weeks before we're due. So they can always come back and say, no, yes, whatever. You're so organized. <laughs> I usually, as soon as I'm done editing, I just launch. I'm usually down to the wire. Oh, well, I guess I've made my life very difficult because there's a lot of things that I'm juggling, which means that I can't be as quick. I, mean, I wish I, I wish I could, actually. Mm. Um, I guess if I think about what I have cut, I did used to worry about that a lot. Honestly speaking, nowadays, I don't worry about it so much. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think about the sculpture, the, the, the person who is chipping away at the <laughs> rock to make the sculpture. Right. Like there might be some really nice pieces of rock that you could have used but ultimately if it's not part of the sculpture then what are you gonna do yeah so what's next oh where's mosaic of china going from here right well there's bad news and good news (gasps) yeah the bad news is that i should have been recording season two by now oh but you're not i'm not because well the obvious reasons we are still in this weird limbo period Mm -hmm. um a lot of my guests are still not in China. Right. They, yeah. you know, when the music stopped, they were outside of China. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I could try and do it over Zoom, but I think the intimacy of being in the same room, I think is quite important to yeah. the podcast. So I'm not going to do it until perhaps there's a chance for those guys to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, even people who are here in China, which is the majority, I would say, mm-hmm. of season two, you're still not in your normal routines. You're still, oh, yeah. your mind is still completely off kilter. Yeah. And so I want to give it a chance for people to start to get back to whatever the new normal becomes. Yeah. So that the virus doesn't infect, to use a word, <laughs> yeah. um, the entire season. You know, I think, of course, there will be some references to before and after coronavirus, because I think that's going to be just what's going to happen. There's right, definitely yeah. going to be a difference of lifestyle. But if I started to record now, it would just be all about it. Um, so yeah. I have no choice but to have a bit of a pause. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Some people in season two will not come back to China. And so I have to switch those guys out. And there are mm. other people whose circumstances have changed and they no longer want to be in season two. Um, oh, so wow. the, the rule was that you couldn't say a referral unless they'd already said yes to season two. Mm-hmm. But people are free to say no at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, the good news. Mm is that I have been busy during my coronavirus self-isolation. I'm waiting with bated breath. (laughs) The beauty of the 10 questions at the end is that now I can edit down the podcasts and do special compilation episodes of how everyone answered those 10 questions. Okay. So this is what I've been doing for the last two months. I've just compiled them into special episodes on your favorite china related fact or on your favorite place to hang out and each of them really work well as a compilation episode yeah i never thought about that i hadn't thought about it either to the extent that i thought oh i'm gonna sit down and actually do it because Mm -hmm. who has the time to do that well actually i did have the time (laughs) yeah yeah and i've really enjoyed doing that because Mm -hmm. it's nice to hear all the different voices of the season together in one episode yeah. And it's sort of 
at the same time makes me feel that these 30 people, even though they're so different and some have never even met each other, mm-hmm. they all sort of belong together. Yeah. And so I think without these compilations, they all stand alone. Mm-hmm. And I think with these compilations, they now form something which is sort of more one unit, mm. which I've really enjoyed. So I have 10 episodes now, which mm. I will release every two weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that means I've got some content which I can drip out in the next 20 weeks, mm-hmm. which hopefully will give me some time to, towards the end, start to record season two. So at the end of that process, hopefully I'll be ready to release season two. Yeah. That's fantastic. And these these are going to be, I think, great episodes for a number of reasons, for all the reasons that you mentioned, but also because they have such great potential to reach out to people who aren't in Mosaic of China right now. Like if, if on my feed something came up that said uh, 30 people's answers to the best places to hang out in Shanghai, I want to know the best places to hang out in Shanghai. Right. Uh, favorite facts about China. I want to know all these facts. Like this has great outreach potential. I agree. And also, like, when it comes to engaging the people who are in those WeChat groups, Mm -hmm. who have been sitting there quite quietly for most of the time, (laughs) thanks to me bullying them, this allows me to say, okay, it's going to be the episode on your favourite China fact. Now's the time for you guys to share your favourite China fact. This is such a brilliant idea. It's almost like you had this planned from the very beginning. (laughs) This is such a serendipitous thing to do yeah this is like we you know people talk about the virus has allowed me to be more creative and to look at things in different angles and, yeah. and i think that's kind of what was inspiring me to do this yeah and i'm especially proud of the ktv answer because huh. i even went and got the music that they said ah and have put it on the bed of what they're saying however mm-hmm. i can't release it copyright because of copyright right i've made the episode so Uh if somebody wants it then they can email me and i'll share it privately but i can't Mm. publicize that one excellent well i'm very much looking forward to all of that yay yeah i I want these episodes i want these compilations well i love what you do i love how um, engaged you've been with with my project and how helpful like not just you actually there have been other people who have been also as generous but you in particular have been so kind to always give me an answer and to have reached out and, and helped. And so I really appreciate that. And I wanted to make sure that your mark is also in this season. Aww. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm very happy to do it. And I think that there's real value in helping out other people as well. There are so many people in this day and age. Everyone's got a podcast, right? But not everyone's doing it well. And so I'm, I'm happy to help out where I can when people are making good content that I enjoy listening to. Well, the same goes for you. And let's end this podcast on this tone of mutual appreciation. Oh, I can hear the background music coming in now. (laughs) The episode's almost over. (laughs) Thank you, Josh. I'll make sure that that is exactly what we do. And it'll sound so smooth that you'll think I'm a pro. I have every confidence. (laughs) Well, if you want an example of what I meant when I said I was afraid for future guests being too knowing about the podcast, listen no further than that ending. Thank you again to Josh for giving up his time and his apartment for this interview. I should mention that he also gave up a glass of Sichuan pepper-infused rum, which started to have its effect during the interview. So apologies if I sounded more slurred and giggly than usual. That was me experiencing Josh's interview technique right there. Just a reminder, if you're a fan of Mandarin, please check out his MSG Mandarin Slang Guide podcast. He also has a really engaged group of fans on WeChat, which is a lot of fun to be in. I've posted some photos from the conversation on my WeChat group, of course. Please add me there on Oscar10877 and I'll include you there. Or you can just follow Mosaic of China on Instagram or Facebook. 
Only one correction to make, it was about Desert Island Discs, the British radio show. It was actually first broadcast in 1942, which makes it not 30 or 40, but 80 years old. So I'm looking forward to Mosaic of China also being around that long. It will be the year 2100, and I'll make sure that this podcast is automatically implanted into your brain. I did all my other thank yous at the end of Octo's episode last week, so all that remains for me to say is that I will see you in two weeks' time for the first of the compilation episodes, which will be on the subject of favourite travel destinations within China. See you then! (laughs) 